Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with an amazing panel of healing men today. And I'm super excited. We're going to talk about healing the father-child bond. Uh, and so I will go through introductions of this amazing panel that I have. I'm going to start with Bill Prossman, whose mission is to raise the awareness of the power of music as self-care. He is the world's leading expert on the power of music for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. He holds a magnum cum laude degree in piano performance and creative writing and has led a successful IT consulting practice for more than 30 years. He's recognized by the National Council for Behavioral Health and has an award of excellence from 2014, which is the industry equivalent of winning an Oscar. Our second panelist is Jonathan Glass. He is the founder and creator of Jiv Atma Healing Energy and is the author of The Total Life Cleanse. He's a master acupuncturist, Ayurvedic practitioner, energy healer, herbalist, and natural health educator. He's served on the faculty of the New England School of Acupuncture and the Dharma Institute of Yoga and Ayurveda. Jonathan has been in practice since 1987 when he co-founded the Healing Essence Center with his wife, Catherine, in Concord, Massachusetts. And our third, our third panelist, the finalist, <laughs> Mark Youngblood, is the founder and CEO of Intermastery Inc., providing executive coaching for business leaders and transformational life coaching and training to the public. Mark is an internationally recognized speaker and author, and his latest book is Dear Human, Master Your Emotions. He's been practicing transformational coaching and teaching the Intermastery Methods for more than 25 years. He's a master practitioner and trainer of neuro-linguistic programming and the creator of Quantum Clearing System. And our final fi panelist, final finalist, <laughs> for 25 years, Magic Bernstein has been creating a shamanic container which catalyzes healing and awakening. He studied with master teachers, elders, kahuna, shaman, and mystics, as well as had extraordinary success as an entrepreneur. After moving to Maui, he established Sacred Voyages, through which he facilitates retreats and personal shamanic guidance. His approach is to create and transmit a powerful field of love and truth, in which awakening, healing, the mystical, and the connection to higher self is exponentially amplified. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm so excited to have you here with me. You can unmute yourselves and, and talk to me. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> We're all muted. Yeah, right. Everybody's on mute going, oh, I'm so excited to be here. No one knows yeah. but you guys. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh. <laughs> yeah. So we are here to discuss uh, fatherhood and the father-child relationship. And so I think a good place to start is going to be, what does it mean to you to be a father? And I'd, I'd like to give each of you about 15 seconds. Mm. So make it tight. <laughs> Who'd like to start with that one? I'll take that one. Okay. Uh, for me, being a father means growth. There was some really incredible meme and I can't quote it. I wish I could, but um, there's that moment where you realize that your dad is also learning how to do this. Mm. And uh, for me, that's been just a very humbling growth awareness. 
Yeah, yeah. The shift from father on a pedestal to, oh, he's a real human being. <laughs> How about you, Mark? Well, it's a, it, it's a sacred relationship. You know, this is a soul who came here to evolve themselves and do their work. And I you know, feel the responsibility of really helping shepherd him into the world. And, and of course, all relationships are barbells of the soul. So I have learned tremendously through this relationship. <laughs> through being a father and being yes. a son, I suspect. And being yes. a son, true. Yes. <laughs> Jonathan, how do you define, uh, what does it mean to be a father? comes to me is being present uh, for the soul that that person is, and for being present for the soul that that person is, and to um, offer guidance without a mood of control. Mm, that, that's mm. a fun balance to try to yeah, maintain. It can be challenging, but it's, it's, you know, it takes personal work. And a lot of love and respect for that soul as well, for that for that person, mm-hmm. that being. Magic. How how do you define it? What's a father to you? Well, for for me, I'm not actually a father. So being on the show for me feels more about my relationship with my own father. However, I've made it my mission to heal all the wounds that have occurred from my own father, so that when I'm with people who come on my retreats or my clients or my friends or my family, my cousins, everyone, I'm actually emanating love to them and not continuing in ancestral and genealogical wounds. Oh, yes. And there are plenty of ancestral wounds. That's for sure. And speaking of ancestral wounds, in what ways do you see your father's parenting still influencing your life today, for good or ill? Wounds, obviously, are the, the downside of that. <laughs> I would like to start with that one. Mark. Yeah, so uh, my father was a, a harsh man. And, um, you know, as Magic pointed out, you know, healing the this, this stuff that we get from our father's and, and so a, a tremendous amount of my growth has been with healing that. And so, uh, you know, as a parent, one of the ways I have felt it is that I, I went the opposite way, you know, where he was, uh, you know, brutal and violent. I went to peaceful and gentle. <laughs> and, and, and it was a strong influence in my parenting. I never struck my son when he was growing up. Uh, there's obviously some really positives from my father that carried on. One example is that he would give us chores to do as four, five, six, seven years old on a farm and leave and say, it better be done when we got back. And it seemed impossible, like hauling hundred pound bags of feed when I weighed 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it taught me this sort of can do attitude that I, I, it, there isn't anything I face these days that I don't bring that to. So, you know, he's still, he's still in me. He's still shaping me every day. That's beautiful. Does anybody have anything I can, like to add? Yeah. I can comment on that. You know, my father was quite um, critical. Uh, most of what I ever received from him felt like criticism. And so I found that that came out, comes out in my life. And it's probably a lifelong journey to heal that as it's so deeply ingrained from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been able to do that. I've been able to see how I do that with others and then reflect on where that came from and go inside myself and love the pattern and love him and heal and resolve it. And it's also helped me to actually look at myself 
and find things that I want to change and heal and grow inside of me. So there's a positive side to that, that I have uh, discovered from it. it. Depends on how you look at these things. Absolutely. He, you know, a, he did teach me. Can I, yeah. can I ask you one little question? Yeah. You mentioned that he was highly critical and we all have this highly critical voice in our head that's called the ego. Oftentimes, does it sound like your father? Mine sounds a lot like my mom. That's why I ask. Yeah, people, people do have that experience. I have not had that experience, but what I can say is it kind of feels like my father. You know, some of us are more auditory. Some of us are more visual. For me, I can feel that sense of his criticism and lack of acceptance and and respect and love, at least my perception of, of love. And so that feeling comes, I can feel myself contract in when I hear those uh, critical voices inside my head. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like I, to I jump what, into that one. Yeah, um, sure. What Mark and Magic have said resonates for me. So I'm an orphan now. My father passed away a couple of years ago, four, three years ago now. And I notice that when I say something in his speech pattern, like magic, what you're saying, the auditory thing. Yeah. But I hear the speech pattern and mm -hmm. it reminds me that I need to make sure what I've got to offer, whether it's to anyone, the mm -hmm. kids or wife, whatever, is authentically me and not just a repeating of what dad once said. Mm. And that's been a really interesting awareness. And it's only happened in the last maybe 10 years or so. And, uh, I'm, I'm infinitely grateful for that because there's plenty of ancestral lessons. You know, there's all that baggage that we unpack in trauma therapy and everything else. But, um, <laughs> but that's the one that really jumps up at me today to share. So hearing not so much dad's voice, like you were saying, hear your mother's voice, Sophia, but hearing the speech pattern that's my dad yeah. alerts me to something where I ought to think twice and maybe make sure that it's still resonating authentically with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is this a, something that I was programmed to repeat or is this something I authentically want to bring out into the world? It's yes. beautiful. And my father often says, oh, sorry, I was just, you know, just yeah. chiming in on what Bill said. My father often says, the problem is, before he goes on to say almost anything. And I notice <laughs> I say that sometimes. And when I hear other people say that, it's this immediate like, oh, that's from my father. And so it sends me inward to, is there really a problem here? So to really look at it and re-examine it, it's, it's beautiful. Interesting. My father was a quality control manager for Polaroid back in the heyday of Polaroid. And um, he would always find, he was both sort of a very, I would say very mellow guy, but also could be very critical, um, very serious. So he had sort of this, these different qualities about him. And um, I'm noticing as I'm getting older, that I'm doing mannerisms. Like he likes, he would just sometimes drive and he, his lips would just touch his finger like that. And I noticed myself doing these things. Like, wow, for years, I was like, I'm not going to be like that, you know, <laughs> after, after doing some work. And when he died, I, I so appreciated his, his essence. And um, we had a good relationship, you know, in the last, for many years, we had certainly had our ups and downs. Um, but, it's, it's been interesting as a parent when I notice myself sort of feel, it's almost like I feel, you know, if I wear a bathrobe, because he always liked to wear a bathrobe in the morning, I, it's like I feel like him. But on the other hand, when I'm communicating with my, my kids and my wife, I really, um, I can notice it on the one hand and feel my own way that I've sort of become my own self on the other hand at the same time. 
very interesting. That's but it is important to uh, be aware of those energies, parental energies, and um, be aware of it simultaneously. And, and if we want to do something a little bit differently, to not be in denial that that energy is coming into me or it's part of me. But on the other hand, uh, you know, be present with it, notice it, and stay true to myself in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, what is my, how do I really want to communicate with my son right now? Exactly. And even the, thing, the things that he did well, yes, I want to do that. The things that he didn't do so well. Um, you know, when I would help him fix the car, he would say, hold this. And I would just sit there holding this. You know, there wasn't an education about this means this, and this is how it works together. And so I've noticed that, you know, at some points with my kid, just like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, teach something here and create something. You know, that was just an example. A, a little more uplifting than hold this. <laughs> yeah. I, I know y'all have, a couple of you have mentioned that your relationships with your father were um, strained and perhaps not what you chose to bring forward with your own kids uh did you maybe adopt any surrogate father figures who helped you to formulate a different approach don't all jump at one yeah yeah you know i'll I'll, I'll jump out on that one you know i i had a couple of people uh who were were amazing father figures one was uh he, he was a he and his family were really close friends with our family. He was a coach, a basketball coach and very successful. And uh, he took a shine to me. I took a shine to him. And, you know, he hung the star and moons. Uh, he, he was a guy that taught me from the time I was old enough to hear, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't, you know, all this stuff. And I didn't ever in my whole life, you know, he was influential in that way. But he, he regarded me and and seemed to treasure me. And that was not an experience I was getting from my own father. And, and that kind of gave me the message that somebody sees worth in me. Um, the real irony of that is that uh, his daughter, who I'm still really close with, uh, said that he's told me stories. He was actually a terrible parent. Uh, he, he, she says, I wish I'd had the father that you describe when you talk about my father. And, and that is really interesting to me, uh, that he was that way for me and completely different uh, for her experience. So uh, it, it, was, it was certainly a ray of sunshine uh, for me uh, and gave me a role model that I could look up to. Mm, that's wonderful. How about you, Magic? Well, I wasn't as lucky enough to have somebody like that, Mark. I mean, that sounds amazing and extraordinary, but I was lucky enough to have my parents ask me when I was 14 years old and I was rebelling against everything and on the road to really bad things if I was interested in having a therapist. Uh, Child therapy was new at the time. And thank God I said yes and went through a couple of people and then found this guy who was caring and kind and uh, would listen to me and give me attention and, and love. And we actually had a relationship that transcended uh, the therapy afterwards. We used to start, we started playing golf together when I got older and, you know, we, we, we really cared about each other. And that was a model I didn't have just his presence alone, his attention alone healed so much. And then I did have an uncle that was, uh, you know, he wasn't as close to me, but he was a model because I saw him as loving and kind and caring and generous with his time and energy. And so 
while he didn't mentor me, he did serve as that external role model of like, I'd rather be like that myself mm. than I could model myself after. Nice. I like that. Does anybody else have anything they want to put in on this topic? I had a couple. Um, I went to summer camp every year up in Maine. My, my cousin uh, owned a camp, and I would say he, in some ways, fulfilled that role. He, was, he just passed away. He was about, uh, gosh, 25 years older than me. So, of course, when I was young, he was a lot older than me. And, um, and then at camp, it was an eight-week summer camp, so we became very close to the counselors and really respected them, and they, were, they sort of fulfilled a certain role. And then as I got older, I had different teachers and uh, the founder of Hartwood Institute in Garberville, California, Bruce Berger, an amazing teacher and healer. Um, I would say he played that role, and had some spiritual teachers as well um, that have also fulfilled that role. That's beautiful. I wouldn't say a childhood mentor or anything like that came along, but I'm very grateful in my adult life for Mm -hmm. the various men who've come along and mentored or shepherded me in some way, including my uncles, my dad's brother and my mother's brother who've always been there. Our family isn't really close. And I think we had close family friends, but there was this barrier about (laughs) co-parenting, if you want to call it that, that sort of prevented those other childhood relationships from developing. But I'm, I'm incredibly blessed as, as a young adult and as an adult for, the, for having had these amazing men in my life that have been there. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful when you can have those, those beautiful examples of the highest and best that this relationship can be, even if you didn't have it in your birth parents, right? <laughs> I've been blessed in my, uh, in my in-laws, I have to say very much so. Uh, We are coming up on our first break already. So what I would like to do is invite all of you who are out there listening uh, to spend some time with these same questions. What, what is a father to you? What does that mean? Did you have, was your actual father in your life, not in your life? What, what did you reap from that situation? Because we all bring gifts forward whether it's from a a difficult or challenging abusive parent or a a nurturing supportive parent, spend some time around what that means for you and maybe where your, your woundednesses are. And we will be right back from the break. So stay with us. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Inner Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. 
We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with the amazing and wonderful Mark Youngblood, Magic Bernstein, Jonathan Glass, and Bill Prossman. And we are discussing fathers and what it means to be a father and what your father has meant in your life. And I, when we were over break, we discussed uh, masculinity. So let's talk a little bit about what masculinity is and how it influences the fatherhood conversation. Ooh, like you have 30 start. seconds, go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there's this rumor that men who think about their feelings and heal their relationships with their fathers are soft. <laughs> well, you know, I think for me, um, it's a huge dichotomy between my father's approach. Of course, he he was born in 1932, and so it, it was the strong, silent, uh, never show your feelings, but stoic, uh, stoic got to be the man of the house, got to dominate, uh, never let anybody back talk to you, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is what he was taught. You know, that's that's what he was raised on. And then, you know, as I was growing up, it was a whole different mood, a whole different uh, world. And, uh, you know, the opening up your heart. And I got into the, like everybody else here, got into that mode of doing all the healing and, and softening. And I did have the question, you know, where, what strength look like in masculinity when you're also open-hearted? And, and that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Spell that out for some of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to seed it over to the, my other uh, friends here and see what you have to say. About okay. That. What, what does Mark, strength and masculinity look like, Bill? I'm with you on that one, Mark. The, this, this age that we're in calls on us to be able to have attributes of both masculinity and femininity to be yeah. su successful. Yeah. And I think the key there is somehow blending those things uh, in a way that works for each one of us. 
as guys or each one of you as women or whatever your gender happens to be right now, uh, to be conscious of the fact that we're all called to express those attributes yeah. of, of kindness and strength. And it's a paradox, but it's a wonderful one. And if, hmm. if, if we're aware of that, I think that's, that's the key here is being aware of it. It's not about being a man or being a woman. It's, it's about being able to deploy what's necessary in the moment and practicing if it's necessary to have those skills so that when you're there, you can give care, you can give love, you can give guidance, whatever the, whatever is called upon you to give. I'm not so great at it, but I've got this idea that I'm supposed to be learning. So <laughs> that's <laughs> well, my path. And that, that's what learning is, right? You, you start not so hot and you work your way up in competency, right? Magic. You know, what, what I've noticed is that this whole thing about being soft I don't think it comes from being in the true divine masculine at all. I think what it comes from is actually avoiding it mm. and actually not, not having the wound that keeps us separate from the, the potency and the power and the groundedness of our true masculine. When we don't actually heal the wounds of that, then we end up being soft by default. Mm. And that's actually has nothing to do with our femininity. It's a wound of our masculinity. When we actually attend to the wounds of our masculinity, attend to things like Mark was talking about with his father, then that kind of harshness, uh, it fades. And when we drop mm. into our hearts and love, then we just bring what's real and what's true and what's needed. And if there's mm. de decisiveness, which is a masculine trait, then it naturally just comes through us. You know, if, if there's a groundedness or w whatever the, the trait is, it's, it's there. So it's not from us embracing our femininity and embracing our emotions that cause us to be soft. It's actually the, the non-embracing of them, the non-processing, the non-metabolizing of our wounds and our losses and our emotions that would have us be in that soft space, which frankly, I live on Maui and I see it a lot here because it's a very feminine place. And so people can just kind of relax into that without doing their work. And then they become the thing. Some people come to the thing that I, that I hear you sharing about there. Yeah. yeah. Magic. I want to tap into that because that to me is such a key point is what most people consider, you know, like the prototypical Marlboro man sort of macho masculinity um, is fragile. Yes. It's, it's yes, very, very fragile, very, fragile. you know, it's fear based that if anything threatens my sense of dominance, my sense of self, then I'm easily tipped over. And, and, and so to me, what um, masculinity, one aspect of how it's evolving is from power over and, this, and to this sort of sharing of power and, and of upholding each other in the that. world. I'll just say, I really enjoy hearing what all you guys are saying. It's very nourishing. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to be a, uh, I'm astrologically, I'm a cancer supposedly, unless it's Vedic astrology, which is different, but, um, Dude. tends to be, you know, I, I tend to be sensitive, but I'm very sensitive you know, feeling wise, you know, and sensitive in a lot of ways, but I wouldn't say weak sensitive, you know, that's, but at, at times in my life. I might have thought that was the direction I was going, but I did my a lot of work and emotional clearing work and emotional healing work. And um, there's another point that I think is important is that we're talking about culturally right now, because there's a, as, as I mentioned before, there's a, it's a big topic. And 
superficially, like so many things can be superficial, especially through the media, there's very little conversation about, I think it was um, Bill mentioned, the dynamic of we all have the male and female qualities in us. I mean, the yin and the yang, you know, we have yin and we have yang. And how, and, and how able are we able to be present with both of those qualities and show up as Greg was saying, or Magic was saying, appropriately in the moment with, with what that is. Not to mention, which isn't being spoken a whole lot culturally, is that, you know, and, and I know Magic was saying early, we're not just this body, you know, not just, you know, we are going to die at some point. You know, with this, this form is temporary and people can be so identified with being a man or a woman or this or that and forget about the whole inner world that's actually there, the inner terrain that's there. And um, I would be so bold to say the soul that exists, you know, the soul, the atma, the consciousness that we are. And that in the whole conversation about, you know, am I a this or this or this or this? That's okay, but what about let's bring in these other dimensions into that conversation? And then to me, it can be a really grounded conversation, mm -hmm. not just based on what kind of clothing do I identify with at the moment, and therefore everybody else has to see me that way. I mean, that's so much of the conversation that may not be a very um, popular perspective, but I think it's really important to bring in these other deeper dimensions or else you know, we're not going to go very far with it, in my opinion. I love what you just said, Jonathan, because ultimately the experience of my masculinity or my femininity or any other aspect of my identity is actually a temporary illusion. It, it, it's not lasting. The only thing that's actually lasting or absolute real here is my divinity. You know, that's the part of me that is infinite. That's the part of me that wasn't born and doesn't die. There's no beginning and there's no end. While my finite nature, which has all the personality traits and characteristics to it, it comes and goes. It rises and falls out of the silence that is all that is. Mm. And to remember that and to let ourselves relax into that and then trust that and turn the reins of our life over to something greater than our small egoic self. Our ego is important. We don't want to get rid of it. We just don't want it in the commander's chair. Yeah. We want our divinity <laughs> in the commander's chair. And so to turn it over to that and trust that whatever aspect of our being is, is most appropriate in the circumstances will come through if our divinity is in charge. And with our divinity in charge, of course, we're going to bring the healing energy to our humanity to the wounds that we carry from our parents, from our ancestry, from our, even our past lives, whatever it is, that's going to get healed along the way. Yeah. Well, so that, turning over the reins to God. <laughs> that, that brings me around to where I wanted to go next, which is, um, you know, we all seem to have these healing journeys that we go on in this process of taking the ego out of the captain's chair, <laughs> which can be a little struggle sometimes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what that looks like for you guys. We women talk about this all the time. I want to hear what the healing journey is like for you guys. <laughs> Isn't that the heroic journey? Go for it. 
I mean, I'm using a masculine noun, but it's that it's that process of intentionally facing the shadow mm-hmm. over and over, over and over and, and over. Like, right? That's, what does that feel like? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. And and it's awfully necessary because you can't really grow without doing that. Yeah. Well, and it is awful at different stages, but at some point it also folds out into wider vistas, right? Yeah, of course it does. And, and you see that, like I see that in my kids. Somewhere along the way, something clicks, you know, and, and, and they manage it and they do it and they're, they're amazing and wonderful and they achieve things. And it's like, wow, did that come from me? What did I have to do with that, right? <laughs> and um, that's, that's a, a realization that lasts a lifetime. It's where you, you go, oh, it makes sense to me now. Right? I get this. Or even I see things that my parents did or said or, or were examples of that have affected my kids now. And I had very little to do, except I just happened to be the connector in some way. So uh, whatever the process is, whatever you call it, heroic journey, shadow journey, shadow work, that's so essential. And it does have that, like you were saying, it has that beautiful, oh, this moment associated with it every time it happens. Yeah. At, at the end, at the beginning, it feels like another sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Magic, what do you have to add? Well, I love what Bill just said, and, I, and I, I'm going to say it just differently because because it's perfect you know um i feel like the the journey that we're all on is the journey from uh humility from from hum- <laughs> from humiliation this idea that there's something wrong with me or that there's something wrong with anyone else to humility uh, and the journey that process is in loving every part of myself that i don't like can I unconditionally love all of my patterns, all of the negativity that resides inside of me, all of my judgments, all of my pain, all my fears, all my doubts? Can I bring a quality of unconditional love to that so that it, then, it can then heal? Because all of that is just separation. It's a, it's a loss from the one. It's a loss from my conscious embodying of the unified whole that I am, of all that is. So every loss I've experienced where I haven't received unconditional love from anyone or anything in my life, if I didn't unconditionally love that, it created a, a wound. It created a scar in me that comes out in my behaviors and my thoughts in, in how I think and my attitude. So if I now can bring myself the unconditional love that I did not receive from the world, from my parents, from my teachers, from the environment, and I can heal that inside me, so that I can return to unity and to unconditional love within myself. That's the journey that I feel like we're really all on. And so many teachers and therapists out there, if you ask them what's the secret to psychological health and wellness or, or even awakening and realization, it would be unconditionally loving oneself. But most of them don't actually have a, a methodology that they might teach you of how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and well, that's where and, the rubber meets the road. Yeah, that, that's the trick, right? First, how do you know you're in a moment where you need to be bringing more love to this? Mm-hmm. Okay, because a lot of times like the ego will jump out and into the seat and just full force with the bus down the road and running over everybody in front of it. Uh, how, <laughs> well, you know, how I, do I you wanna... recognize these moments? Yeah, let me jump in here because yeah. I, I, um, this is something I've studied extensively. Maybe the other folks here have too, is what's the journey look like? 
Yeah. And I think we go, depending on where we are in the journey, how we deal with the woundedness looks different. Like magic is very, very far down the line. And what, what he's going to do, I think is going to be different than someone who's just waking up and they're, they're in the middle of this chaotic, reactive, egoic, wounded self. And I, I deeply remember that self. And, and so uh, we are radiant souls. We don't have to become more of that. It's about letting go of everything in between that doesn't serve us. And as Magic said, reintegrating the things we, we disowned because we were taught that it's not okay. So, um, so how we know is life is our teacher. And when something out there grabs us, when something out there uh, causes us to react to it and we want the world to change, that's the teacher saying right there, right there is a part of you that is, that is uh, out of accord with who you are as a divine self. And so release that, whatever that thing is that's sensitive to the world out there, let that go, uh, love it, reintegrate it, whatever method you have to do that so that the world can be the way it is and you're in love with it. You, you don't need the world to be a certain way. And that's what our woundedness is. That's why my father was uh, my guru. You know, what he gave me was a load of things that caused me to do the work of healing. And through the work of healing, my soul evolved. It learned love. It learned compassion until I was able to completely love and accept him and tell him I loved him and hug, which we never did when I was growing up. And, and that was the, the gift. Uh, and so that's how I would answer that question, Sophia. That's a beautiful answer. Do you have anything you'd like to add, Jonathan? We got about 30 seconds. Sure. Just the thought that, um, and maybe we can talk about this after a little bit, is the when I see it with my kids, this is off track a little bit, but with my kids, the, the belief was when I first had kids that all I have to do is be present and offer them full acceptance and they will have that full acceptance in them. But there's another dynamic. Either I didn't do it perfectly and or they're their own soul with their own karma and their own lessons combined. So sometimes as a parent, it's frustrating. I'm loving this kid completely. Why aren't they, you know? Yeah, why, why aren't they, they getting with the program? <laughs> what does it happen? That they have issues, you know? So, you know, so that's an interesting process too. And making space, because I've noticed, you know, I'm so darn present, why, you know? And of course my kids are awesome and there's so many amazing things about them. But as a parent, sometimes it's frustrating even to see a quality in them, a struggle that I, that I used to have myself. So that also shows me where I also still need to work on Absolutely. myself. Yeah. Beautiful words. Yeah, we'll dig more into, you know, how how we pass this stuff along to our kids when we return from the break. So if you're out there in listener land, you've got your pen and paper, uh, spend some time around the places where it feel, things feel tight or forced or difficult or where you think the world needs to be different. Um, and just highlight some of that stuff for yourself, because these are opportunities for you to walk through as you work through these topics. And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Change starts here. Change starts now. 
Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I am here with my amazing panel of male healers, Mark Youngblood, Magic Bernstein, Jonathan Glass, and Bill Prossman. And when we went to break, we discussed uh, different aspects of what it means to be masculine and, and how to approach healing some of the wounds that we acquired in our childhoods. So kind of shifting the conversation now, to more of the father side of things. Um, what did you learn from your father that you decided you needed to do the exact opposite of that? <laughs> what did you vow to do differently? Uh, don't well, I can, I can jump in here. Okay. Um, my father uh, tended to be angry he, he didn't process any emotions. I never saw him cry, experience sadness. We never hugged. He never said, I love you. He was very stoic and, um, and unavailable emotion, emotionally. You know, he was there, but he wasn't really there. Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely created a vow to do something differently and, and was able to do it differently uh, relatively easily. But then 
I noticed that there are triggers in the world and those triggers uh, would, would bring about uh, the teachings that he gave me through his actions that I absorbed into my system that weren't so easy to just say, I'm not going to be different. Yeah. You know, I reacted. Give me and an so example. I remember I, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I went home <laughs> to see my father. You know, there's an old expression. If you think you're enlightened, go spend time with your family. With your family. <laughs> yeah. And so I love going home to see my family because it's like a workshop. You know, it's like an opportunity for me to go deep inside and do my work. And so I walked into the living room one day and I was wearing a cap and my dad said something very caustic, like, wow, that's an ugly hat. And he said it really, really rudely. And I felt this anger flare up and I wanted to say something caustic back to him. And instead I went into my room and I sat down and closed my eyes in meditation. And I asked myself the question, what's going on here? What loss am I experiencing? Because all of our reactivity has to do with our, our previous losses that are unmetabolized and unprocessed. And I sat there and I felt, oh, I'm, I'm feeling the loss of not having a loving and kind father. I'm feeling the loss of not having the kind of father I want. And I just started to track and feel the sensations in my body and bring my presence and love to them. And that portal, which it is a portal, when you feel the somatic sensations in your body of what's currently happening, took me into early childhood experiences of first experiencing that and that wound where that occurred and how painful it was. And I just sat and was with it and I cried and I made sounds and I was there for probably an hour and a half just being with it. And then I came out of the room and I didn't have anger at my father anymore. I had compassion. I had, I saw the wound that he was carrying, that he got from his parents and their parents and how he was just expressing it. He didn't know how to do anything differently. He was doing the best he could. Yeah. And I sat him down and I said, dad, could I share something with you? And he said, yeah. And I said, I'm sharing this because I want to have a more loving and a more kind and a closer relationship with you. Would you listen? And he said, yeah. And I said, when you said that to me about the hat, it hurt. I felt sad. I didn't feel close to you and I want to feel close to you. And because I came to him healed to some degree, instead of trying to heal and trying to make him wrong or be or right, he was receptive. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he was sad. He didn't, he didn't cry or anything, but he was like, wow, I don't, I don't like that. I want to be different and I'm going to try to be different. And those are the kinds of ways that, I changed and actually he ended up changing as well through those, through me taking a hundred percent responsibility for what's happening inside of me. Mm -hmm. It's up to me to actually bring my own healing and love to it. Mm. Not up to him to do anything different. If anybody finds themselves pointing the finger at anybody at any time, that's a good indication. Your question earlier about how do we know when we're doing it? Well, if you're blaming somebody or yourself, <laughs> that's a good opportunity to turn that finger like Jonathan's doing. Turn that yep. finger right back around. Exactly. You, you point one, you got three pointing back at you. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what do you have to add to this conversation? Uh, I was so wrapped up with magic, I forgot the question. Would you uh, repeat oh, it again, please? What, what did you vow to do differently? What was the one of the examples your father set that you went, oh, no, I'm not doing that? Well, and then I, do the I, 80, 180 degrees. I kind of vowed to do everything different. <laughs> <laughs> and I succeeded somewhat and I didn't succeed in other things, you know, like he was also very critical, um, you know, and 
in many, many ways. And so I, I, I adopted nonviolence. I was not going to strike my son. And we, we, you know, we parented him like, we're going to talk you through this. We're going to use all the more advanced ways of being able to teach self-discipline and all that. But one day my son was doing something and I heard myself just writing him down, just really being critical in my language. And I realized, oh my God, I didn't channeling my father. (laughs) It's the part of my father that I internalized in me and that somehow connected. And, and uh, you know, so even though I didn't want to be any part of that, you know, it was in my shadow, you know, as I think uh, Bill was talking about and, and by hearing it, it was like, okay, now I'm aware of this. And it's another thing I want to let go of because it's just not, doesn't serve uh, me and who I want to be as a parent. Um, so, I mean, it, it was a strong influence, very strong influence for me to, to be very different from him. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have anything they want to share about what their father's um, example was? Yeah. So my dad um, could be being a quality control manager, could be <laughs> a, a very critical and um, serious at the same time in that criticalness. And I think that was one of the things that I planned on not doing or never doing, which I have failed miserably at times at. But again, noticing it in the moment, and I have this saying that the recipe of adding awareness to your stuff is very, very different than having your stuff without any awareness. It's a completely different recipe. Give me an example of that. Like adding salt to the recipe to make it taste okay, good or not at all. So uh, upset with my son, he was on his bed and I started you know, speaking to him like my father might speak to me, you know, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Very seriously. And I could feel his valence, his energy, like you said. It felt almost pleasurable, as one of my teachers described as negative pleasure. And it was, I couldn't really, I almost couldn't stop myself except for saying, you know what? Can you hear me? Oh, you just blooped out for a second. We can hear you now. Yep. Okay. So, so there we go. Finish your story. He, he was on the bed and you were haranguing him. Sorry about that. Anyway, I- Anyway, I left rather than, you know, what I did was I left the room. I, I found my center and then I came back in and communicated openly with my son. In other words, I wasn't, it came through me. I couldn't control myself almost, but I walked out. Conversation. So I just did it differently. That's my point. Beautiful. I Bill. think that, that, that doing it differently than our parents is a great, I'm not sure what to call it, practice. Uh, sometimes it works great. I only learned when my kids were already teenagers that I'd been raised by an emotionally unavailable parents. And 
I hoped that I hadn't done anything like wrong. I mean, you've got to put some <laughs> parameters around that. But from that point on, it helped me to become more aware of who I was in the world and my ability to be, um, I, I want to say more open because it's emotion is just one place. But I felt that some work had happened because I was challenged on a number of different occasions to be the parent who was emotionally available. My wife and I were divorced. And in that sense, I think I did some work that was useful. I, I loved the moment after graduation, my daughter came out to me and it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And I don't feel that that would have been possible if I maintained the kind of stoic, stiff upper lip, Midwestern fatherhood that my dad had shown to me. So looking back in hindsight, I think there's been some improvement and that awareness, of course, is ever you, you guys both said it, that awareness of who you are and how you work. And Jonathan's story about taking that moment of awareness going, okay, this isn't right. I'm going to walk away from this now until things, you know, transform. Uh, that's really what it's all about. You know, it's not so much about getting it right. I feel it's more about doing it better in yeah. some way. And I, what I love in hearing the story from Magic and from John, Jonathan was they were both willing to say, okay, I'm going to take time back from this. This is not playing out the way I want it to. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to dig through my own shit. And I'm going to sort myself yeah, a, out and then I'm going to re-engage. I have a practice in, in all my relations that if I feel that I'm triggered in some way, which I think for most of us, we can tell when, yeah. when we're triggered, when we're activated <laughs> rather than when we're in our heart and we're you know, at peace. And when that happens, I will ask the person that I'm engaged with, you know, can we pause for a moment? I just want to go inside and center. And I take, you know, and if it's a couple, if I'm in with a relationship with a woman, I, I call yellow light. We have code language for it, yellow light. It means we stop now, go inside, see if we can get back to our hearts, back to the love and back to the intention to be more connected, to be intimate and to be in, in love. And if I can't do that after a few minutes, then it becomes a red light, which means I'm actually going to have to leave the room and I'm going to have to go do my own thing for a bit before we come back together. It works really well, but it takes a mature discipline to do that. So again, oh, yeah. my responsibility. And, it and I love that very, Jonathan did that. Very challenging to step back from those heated moments because what yeah. we've been shown is, or modeled many times is further escalation. And well, if you're playing dirty, I'm going to play dirty. And it just becomes nuclear at some point. And so it, exactly. it, it can be hard to, to go, okay, but you can, right? There is this space between your... Uh, what happens and how you respond. And the more you become yeah, and, aware of that space, the more leverage. And just, I know we're probably out of time in a minute, but one thing I just want to share really quick is that one thing that I've found is helpful is for me and whoever I'm in a relationship with, like one of my business partners, we're constantly reminding ourselves when things are good, what's the purpose of our relationship and how do we want to relate with each other? And what do we do when things get challenging? So when things do get heated up, one of us usually will be like, hey, maybe we should take a breath and go into our hearts. And yeah. because we keep presencing it when we're not there, then it's there when we need it. Available. Exactly. Yeah. We are all the way to the end of our, 
our uh, interviews today. I've been so excited to have this discussion with you all. I feel so blessed and privileged to have so many amazing male healers in my circle. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to everyone out there in listener land. Um, I sincerely hope that this has been helpful to you. If you would like to contact any of our wonderful panelists, you can go to sovereignself.media and their contact information is out there. You can connect with Mark or Magic or Bill or Jonathan from there. And uh, until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here.